Today, we will be continuing our discussion of the Canadian comedy series This Hour Has 22 Minutes with special guest Trent McClellan. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. All right, it is time for our special guest. I'm very excited to have him here. Asif, you should share in my excitement. That's what you should do. I am extremely excited, somewhat intimidated, but I will, I'm also excited. Because he won Canada Reads once? He did win Canada and Reads. you've no. never read a book? <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> and were you hosting when he won Canada Reads? I was so? not, I was not. It was another guy. He's yeah. Persian. I'm Pakistani. There's a, you don't worry about That's it. That's not, we won't talk about no, that. Either, we don't right? have to. That's another episode on its own, I think, altogether. Yeah. But we have a good buddy of mine, phenomenal comedian and cast member of This Hour Has 22 Minutes since 2017, Trent McClellan with us. Trent, how are you, buddy? Good. I'm real good. Thanks for having me on here. Appreciate it. Full disclosure, Trent is probably going to steal this podcast and post it as his own on his podcast, The Generators, I should have mentioned that too, that you have a fantastic podcast. You have interviewed Ron McClain, Bob Saget, David Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Right? Ali so Hassan. To, Ali Hassan was on it. I forgot about that. Oh, God, all the podcasts I do. That was a tough Desperate for content that week. That was a, yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a low week. It was just you and I having lunch. You didn't know I was recording. I was like, yeah, I need, a, need an episode. Somebody dropped out. I was wondering why you kept telling me to speak a little more clearly and stop chewing my food. Just a clink of cutlery for the whole episode. <laughs> no one hears anything. No, it's good to be right? Good to be here. It's good to catch up with you. And uh, nice to meet you as well, sir. Heard amazing things. All of them good. Wow. And I mean, I don't have them written down, but they are <laughs> top notch. We mentioned he's an actor too, right? You, we mentioned that. Trent, he's, act, he's acting like he knows who Asif Doja is right now, and he's doing a good job at it. Very, very good. Now, very Trent, good. tell us about who's the real Trent McClellan? Uh, I was born at a very early age. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Came out to the world not knowing anything, naked, and just picked myself from, didn't even have bootstraps, didn't even have boots. I mean, it was just just a struggle immediately. And uh, to be here today, I mean, uh, I made this laptop. I made it with my own hands. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild story. I mean, I don't think we're going to have a That's better right. guest than that on this podcast. Pop it. See it's true. It's true. So, but Trent, going back to this kind of origin story of of Trent McClellan, you grew up in Newfoundland. Yeah. How was that growing up in Newfoundland? Oh, man. It was wild. I was was talking to someone about this the other day. Like, I grew up a black kid in Newfoundland in the 70s, raised by my white grandparents. I could not have been more different, right? It's like, I I look now and I go, of course. I went on to become a comedian. It's like, you you just, you're going to be looked at, stared at. You're the different kid. Like you're on stage, whether you wanted to be on stage or not, you're like, hey, he's different. Hey, here he is. That Afro, huge. And as a kid, of course, you just want to blend in, right? You just want to like fade into the crowd. But I'm this tall, lanky yeah. black kid with a massive Afro. It's like, there was no just fading into the crowd. It was like, you, you no, you, come here for a second. Like, just let me touch your hair. And so I ran from that for most of my childhood. It was like, oh, I don't want to be this guy. Why can't I just have a normal life? But then as you become an adult, I think you you learn to step into it, you know, like, okay, like my road's going to be different than other people's mm-hmm. road. And you accept it. And 
But I remember childhood was like, just, you realize how different you were all the time. Like I, I just internalized like, okay, mm-hmm. that's not my family situation. Or I don't look like those other kids. And how come uh, rain gets to your scalp and mine, the water just hits my hair and <laughs> runs down the sides. Can, do you have that problem, Jason? You couldn't find, <laughs> you couldn't find one person to answer that in within a few hundred kilometer radius. No. Your thing was... I don't know if this is true. Did you want to be, was soccer going to be the original ticket sort of to, you know, your career, your way sort of out of Cornerbrook, Newfoundland? This is an interesting story because the Canada games are going on right now. So the, the men's yeah. soccer is going on right now. And I remember when I played soccer from the age of like 10 to, you know, I played right till I was like 30, roughly. Like I played recreationally, but I played in university, played on provincial teams. So I was pretty decent. You know, I was pretty good. And then when I was 15, we went away to nationals and we played Quebec in game one. We just won the Atlantic championship. I'm like, man, I got a chance at this. Maybe I could be pro if I go away to an academy or something. Then we played Ontario the first game and lost nine, nothing. I went, I don't think... I think there'll be other employment options uh, for me. There better be. There better be. There are better players. Yeah. Do we need linesmen? Do we need more lines people? Because, <laughs> And that's where the dream died that day on that pitch. And I think it was Wolfville, Nova Scotia. But I loved it. I loved playing. I didn't really see comedy or entertainment as a career until I was like in my 30s. Like I, when I moved to Calgary from Newfoundland, mm-hmm. went on stage for the first time and I went, oh, wow, like this is people do this for a living and they get paid. And I'm like, oh, I'm around it now. So you command a pretty good audience when you're back in Newfoundland, both in Cornerbrook, St. John's, other other smaller towns yep. as well. Yep. But you never did comedy in Newfoundland until you, yeah, until you left. Is that right? Okay, I moved away. Yeah, I because there were no comedy clubs at all in Newfoundland when I left in 2003. There was not a established stand-up comedy scene there at all. Right, you had shows coming through occasionally, you know, on tour or. Yuck Yucks might do a thing where they do a weekend at a Mm -hmm. hotel banquet room or something, but there was no established comedy club. So I'd met Shama Jundra. I'll never forget. I was working at a restaurant called Jungle Gyms downtown in St. John's. It's still there. Had to wear khaki shorts and a fanny pack. I'm on fire. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed that spot. I'll keep an eye out the next time I'm in town. It's got a bamboo theme. Very tropical. And I finished my shift. I'm smelling like chicken wings and matzo sticks, just like counting my tips in my fanny pack, walking up the road. <laughs> and a girl that worked at the restaurant was walking down the road and she was friends with Sean. And she's like, Sean, this is Trent. He's he's really funny. We should get, think he should do stand-up comedy too. And Sean was so gracious. This is my first time meeting him. He's like, man, if you, if you think you can do it, like give it a shot, like get on stage. And I was like, yeah, man, thanks. That's great. Anyway, man, just going to go home, wash my shorts and T-shirt. Got a shift tomorrow. <laughs> and like not thinking it was ever going to be anything or that you'd eventually be on 22 minutes with this guy like yeah. years down the road. Like it was insane. But it kind of planted the seed a little bit of like, OK, maybe I can get a chance somewhere. Go to a city where there's a stage. But that was until I mean, that would have been a long time after that, maybe six, seven years that I actually moved and then went on stage for the first time at an amateur night. OK, so you did not leave Newfoundland to go to Calgary to do stand-up? No, my idea was, it was twofold. My idea was the economy was dried up in Newfoundland. There weren't many jobs. I was like, man, I have a student loan to pay off, like that whole thing. So I'll go to Alberta, it's booming. My friend was like, dude, tons of jobs just come up. But I was working with kids and like boys and girls club work as well. So after I left the restaurant world, I started to work at community centers with kids, after school programming, summer day camps, all that stuff. So I said, I'll go to Alberta. 
I'll see if I can find a job in that world, boys and girls club, kid world. And then I'll try and sneak on stage and see if I have anything just to see. I won't tell anybody. No one will know who I am. Mm-hmm. I'll just go up in the dark of night and share these ridiculous <laughs> thoughts and see if I can make strangers laugh. That was the whole the opposite of a plan. Yeah, the I'm very hearing. opposite of a plan. Like, I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? You go to a restaurant. You don't know what you want to eat, Ali. You just no. know there's going to be something in the menu. You something like. will nourish me here. Yes. Yeah. But why Calgary? Was there a specific reason for that? Yeah. At the time, I had a bunch of friends who'd gone to Alberta. And they were like, dude, there's more jobs than people up here. Like, what are you doing mm-hmm. back there kind of thing? And it's funny, man. I tell this story a couple of years ago. I, at the time I was living in St. John's, I had a job at a community center. I stopped working there. I'm just like unemployed to just sitting around just like, I don't know. So a good friend of mine goes, Hey man, let's go for a coffee. He's a physiotherapist back in St. John's. So we go for coffee. He goes, dude, uh, what's your plan? And I go, I don't know, man. I think the guys are all going out Friday. I don't know if we're going to go on Saturday. <laughs> like probably, I don't know, probably get on the go early. You know what I mean? Like Friday, like maybe get some, some wing. He says, no, 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 dude, with your life. <laughs> I was like, I had no vision. I was like, the weekend, dude, it's going to be nice. Beers. He's like, no, no, no. You need to look in the mirror and grab the reins of your out of control life. And so that was a real wake up call of like, wow, a friend having that frank a conversation with you. It's not an easy thing to do, you know, as you guys know. And Mm -hmm. kind of like shook me a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should start figuring out life here. And then, yeah, I think a bunch of months after that, I started to figure out like, oh, yeah, Calgary would be a good spot. Lots of work. And then and I, I did research. I said they have a comedy club. So if I get up there, get on my feet with a job. I'm going to get to that comedy club. I'm going to try it at least. And that was it. That was that was as rough a plan as I had. So with regards to Calgary versus Newfoundland or Alberta versus Newfoundland, and I'll couch this in, you know, Ali and I, the reason we know each other is because our parents immigrated from India, uh, his from Pakistan, my from India, and they arrived in St. John, New Brunswick. And that's how they met, uh, St. John and Fredericton. And so, you know, my parents, even though an Indian person in New Brunswick in the late 60s, very unusual, but they will never complain about racism or anything like that. They love East Coasters. And, and, you know, Newfoundland is like the extreme niceness of the East Coast. So I'm curious about, basically what I want to know is racism, compare Newfoundland versus Alberta with regards to racists. Is that, is, is I was wondering if there was a difference. Shine the light. Terms- Shine the light. You have yeah. a very unique vantage point, Trent, knowing stuff. That- yeah, yeah. No, I, I can see. I've been to both places extensively. Yes. And you've been a black man both times that you were in both places. So both that- I haven't changed ethnicity. I wear the same skin both places. That's how I roll. And you know, I'll wear this. This is all weather, what I'm wearing. So I would say, like, there's definitely racism in both places. I think there's a an adage of, like, you know, wherever there's people, like, I think it's safe to say there's people mm-hmm. who have some pretty backwards beliefs, but also there's lots of love and acceptance. And I, I think there was an adage of, oh, in small towns, people are this way. And in the city, people are this way, which we all know is not correct. Like, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. things exist everywhere, you know? I don't know if there was a difference between them. I know when I was younger, again, because you're so fragile, you're just trying to fit in, your confidence is not great. Like, racism hits harder i think when you're young because you you just like oh everything is just so it just hits you to the core you don't want to go outside anymore kind of thing but as an adult you realize 
okay, that person's got their own problems and issues and this is loaded with all their backstory. And so it's not as much about me as it is about them. But as a kid, you don't have that ability to decipher mm -hmm. between the two. You know what I mean? So it was, mm -hmm. it's as an adult, I think it's, it's definitely easier. Not that I like, you know, experience it daily or anything, but I mean, I think there's, there's racism wherever you go in the world where there's people. So, yeah. Yeah. Asif has a mantra. I don't see racism. He says, that's okay. what he always says. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. Even when somebody's standing right in front of him, telling him to go back where he yeah, came he's like, from. No, I feel it. I feel the rocks when they hit me, but I don't yeah. see it. <laughs> he's telling me to go back where I came from, but he probably, mean, he probably means Nepean, Ontario. He means, Hey, you forgot your drink at the counter. Go back to where you came from. Pick up your drink at the counter. <laughs> and then come back here. And then, yeah. Well, you know, I don't say that, but my wife's always like, you know, I'm like, you know, complaining about her. As you said, Trent, it's not all the time, but sometimes you wonder, is that person being racist? And my wife's like, who's white, by the way, let's all, full disclosure, my wife is white. What? I tell her. Yes, I know, I know. And then she'll be like, some people are just jerks. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't really matter. Like, maybe it's not because of the color of your skin. Maybe they're a jerk to everybody, right? You know, you don't yeah, know. Or, so. or, or maybe they just don't like you. Right. That's also some people think like it must be racism. You know what? That's probably it's what his wife said. Racism because I'm amazing. It's like no, no. Maybe some people just think you're a dick. Like, yeah. They don't care what color you are. I just don't like. You. Exactly. I don't. Exactly. You know. I'm hearing you say you don't like me, but I'm sensing racism. I, I mean, don't even know what race you are. No, but I I think it must be. I get where this is going. <laughs> I think the. The thing that I did develop early, which I think helped me, to be honest, is I don't think I use that as a crutch early. Like, I don't think I, like, if I didn't get a job or an opportunity right. in entertainment that I was like, oh, this is loaded with racism. It's like, no, sometimes you're just not people's cup of tea, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that helped me because I wasn't walking around with this burden of like, this is going to be the rest of my life and I'm not going to be able to get ahead. I'm like, no, like you can dig in and work hard and you're going to fail lots, but let's not chalk it up to racism right away. Like maybe your audition tape just wasn't good enough. <laughs> you know also what I mean? A possibility. Like, yeah. You can fall on that pretty quickly. And I say, like, I don't think there's much joy doing it that way. I think you have to call it out when you see it, but if you don't know for sure, it's like, it's hard to, mm -hmm. to make that. And, it, and not necessarily useful either. It doesn't help you move forward. You know, I, that's a very interesting, we use that as a segue because when I got, you know, onto CBC, I did have some sort of backhand compliments or like full on insults about like, ah, must be nice being Muslim. You know, they want oh, yeah. you on the CBC. Let me tell you something. It's not always nice being Muslim. First of all, you know, I give also <laughs> one guy, I you know, goes off. You go up there and it's like, you got four kids. Must be nice having four kids just write the material for you. I'm like, you know, I still have to raise those children though, right? Yeah. You know, I still have Run to go back and right pay off for their act. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. They, they still exist as human beings. So it's a lot of that comes. So I've always thought like, hey man, even if there is racism and God, you know, I tell this story before, Trent, and I might've told you this, where this guy, this, this, this television producer called me and was like, Ali, are you still interested in hosting a food show? And I, I just certainly was. And he was like, we've got this great idea. I think you'd be perfect for it. It's called fly me to the food. And it's, you know, right now, you know, that in airports all across the world, there's like great restaurants that are opening up. You can really get a great meal. And I mean, so many restaurants across the world and you would be the host and, and, you know, interviewing these various chefs and owners and different restaurants. Would you be interested? I'm like, hey, man, absolutely. However, we both understand that what we're talking about here is a guy with the name Ali Hassan going from airport to airport 
to, you know, customs and then into airport and then, you know, like through, and that's cool, right? Everyone gets that. And he was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Hey, can I call you back in a few minutes? I'll, and he never called back again. He, I swear to God, no. he never called back again. Never called uh, back again. Let me get back to you. Never got back to me. And, you know, I, I tell that story and I'm like, there's a sweetness in the story because that guy didn't see that himself. Right. Somebody would have. I don't think I denied myself a job or anything. Somebody would have. And he probably was like, oh, my God, one of my exec team is going to say something that is probably, you know, more drama than we need. We don't want to. You, you're on tight schedules when you're filming. All of a sudden, this guy's in secondary screening. We've lost our host. Where is he? But those things exist in my life. And at the same time, what exists is sometimes the CBC goes, we actually would love a Brown Muslim guy to host yeah. this show. I'm like, I'll take it. Cause I know that there's plenty of things I don't get because I'm a Brown Muslim mm -hmm. guy. So yeah, if you got nothing your entire life, we can have a different conversation. Yeah, I agree. But you take the good because you're like, Hey, there's, there's a balance of both good and bad. And I'm yeah, I think you're right. The pendulum swings both ways, right? Equally. Yeah. And for all the things I didn't get because of maybe someone thought, whatever, you may have got an opportunity, but the only thing you can control is the amount of effort you're putting in daily and going after it and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable enough to audition or submit or book that tour or whatever it's going to be. And I, I went to a workshop once when I first started stand-up and this comedian was one of these, you know, older grizzled headliners from the, from the yucks days, you know, and he, he's going around the room looking at all the newbies, right? And I'm one of them. And he goes, you know, it's going to be tough for a lot of you guys here in Alberta, like you right here. It's me. He's like, yeah, it's going to be tough for you here. It's going to be uh, a lot of racism in small towns. It's going to be tough. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Writing down, like, I'm like, what are you, I remember thinking like, Okay, going into some of these small towns originally, like terrified. And then you get up there, you do your thing, and you're like, oh, if it's funny, people laugh. Like, they don't give a shit that you don't look like them. They're like, actually, you want to dress that off the top? Cool. Awesome. Well, that's out of the way. And like, you know what I mean? Like, that was the beauty of comedy to me mm -hmm. was like, people, like, if something's funny, people don't care. Like, if they're from a small town, a big city, I don't know your childhood, I had a similar childhood. That's the beauty of comedy. It's the, it's the complete leveler. It's like people mm. are connecting in that moment. We all get what you're talking about. We all see the humor in it. We all get what you were going for. I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about that other shit. Like, I just have to focus on being the best comedian I can, be myself, and it'll be fine. It'll be okay. I mean, you're still going to have a few outliers where there's going to be an issue, but not sure. to walk through life with that lens on all the time, like waiting totally. for the worst to happen like that's not what life's about it no and in general in comedy the outliers seem to be after the show anyways yes. with some seemingly innocent but cloak statement you know like some kind of like i don't know i didn't think i, I read your name didn't think you were going to be funny but you were all right I'm like yeah, oh exactly I, yeah hey i gotta I'll go to bed with a three guy oh christ this is gonna be so racist Oh man! But it's like it's like the female comics, right? Who you know, oh, obviously, huge. you guys have lots of female comics. Oh, you were funny for a female yeah, comic. Yeah. Normally, I don't find, and my female friends are always like, "Who asked you? Why do you need to add that?" Also, that they would think, "Hey, I got a compliment for that person. I'm going to walk yeah. up." No, Daryl, don't. No, no, I'm going to compliment the lady. She was great, right? Hey, like th that. Your mind is like, "Oh, I'm saying something nice. I don't get what the." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, no, yeah. no, don't. But that also brings us to, you know, sort of the, the discussion du jour. That means of the day, Trent. Okay, let's write that down. I know you've been to a soccer tournament in Quebec, but I'm not sure how much of the French was used. <laughs> how did 
all of this stand up in Calgary, touring across the country and all that turn into a full-time gig on This Hour Has 22 Minutes? I got to a point in my career, I think, where I realized like I was on the circuit, you know, like in comedy clubs and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start trying to branch out and rent my own venues. And I mean, you and I've talked about this privately, but like, sure. hey, I got to I gotta start rolling the dice here. Like I got to start, I can't, I don't want to be dependent on someone else all the time for booking me. I'm like, I need to start taking the reins into my own hands. So I started booking my own venues. And then I thought, why don't I put another pot on the stove and like try doing some writing for like 22. So I submitted to get some writing into them. They're like, hey, cool. Why don't you come out for a couple of weeks? And so I wrote for a couple of weeks. Then I would go back to Calgary and I'd tour again. And then the next year I did the same thing. Wrote a couple of weeks, went back to Calgary, toured again. And then I think the third year, after my second year, I was like, oh man, like they're putting me on camera a little bit too, like doing some streeter stuff, talking to people in the street or whatever. And after my second year, I had a gut feeling. I was like, I think I might get an offer for like a, a writing job. Some of my stuff had made it on air and seemed to have a good rapport with everybody, you know? And then I got a phone call from my agent. And this is the irony of like a life and entertainment. Like I was doing a segment for Amazing Race Canada in my hometown, ironically, in Cornerbrook. Because they wanted a comedy challenge where contestants did stand-up comedy and were judged or whatever. So I wrote the jokes and hosted it. And I'm talking to some people who are just assistants the day before on the shoot for Amazing Race. And they're just young students, you know, fine art students. And I said to them, I go, you have to realize that in entertainment, a phone call or an email can change your life, can change your career. Like, that's just the way it works. It's crazy. It's a crazy ride. 90 minutes later, my agent calls and goes... 22 minutes wants you to join the cast. And I was like, can you send me that in an email? <laughs> because I can't quite process what you're saying. Yeah. I need to see this hard copy. I also need you to CC about 11 fine art students. They need to see how incredibly wise <laughs> I am. <laughs> and how I can predict the future. Yeah. And then that was it. And then, so that was the, you know, like spring of that year. And then I, in the fall, I joined, I joined the cast full time. So it was. Uh, what year was that, that you started full time? It would have been, yeah, I guess it would have been, tw this is my sixth season coming up. So in September, I'll be, yeah, starting season number six for me. So. Yeah. So you just want me and Asif to do the math then? Oh, you guys uh, can just do it from there. We can we can edit here. Your Wikipedia uh, entry says 2017. Okay. So please. I mean, you know, with milestones, I mean, it's just, it just bleeds into one. I do look back on that date and I go like, man, that was, that was surreal to be like, you're it's almost like becoming an astronaut or something. Like you're going to join this collective of people for this iconic show. So it's still, it's not lost on me still even today. Did you ever go back and say like, to the producers and be like, well, what was it about you versus say all the other writers or all the people, I knew. lots of people have come in and I knew. Come <laughs> I go, you're late. <laughs> Let's go. No, I, I think you, someone gave me this advice once and I, I do believe it's true. They said with regards to stand up more. So sometimes with acting, I feel you don't ever know why you don't get the jobs you're looking to get. Right. Like when people, mm -hmm. comedians email a club or a festival and they do submissions you don't ever get the feedback of like, yeah, you didn't get it because of dot, dot, dot. It right. just kind of goes into the ether and you don't have any mm -hmm. feedback as to what's going on. Like, do you have a reputation in the business that you're not easy to work with or that you party a bit too much or, you know what I mean? Like you're difficult or mm -hmm. maybe it just wasn't good quality, the thing you did. So you're always just kind of on your own trying to figure out, well, what's going to stick? And you're just constantly throwing stuff at the wall because you never get any feedback on anything, right? And that's one of the most frustrating things, I think, as an entertainer is you don't ever get that data. So how do you know? At least with mm -hmm. 
audiences as a comedian, you go, Hey, I tried this bit. They laughed. They didn't laugh. It's instantaneous. I know. Okay. I got to fix this thing or tweak this in some way. But with the other stuff, it just goes into the abyss and you, <laughs> did you get my email? Did that even, did I send <laughs> yeah. that? I'm going to look at my sent messages and see, right. It's, it's And many of us comedians don't have that. I think I had it a little bit more just because I started later. I started in my mid thirties and I had gotten a lot of rejection already from the food world. I wanted to be a chef on the food. So rejection was like middle name at that point. And I, I consider myself very lucky for it because I think if you have sort of more of a delicate mindset, when you throw stuff out and don't get feedback, like you're talking about, it's poison to your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you start going like, I think these people are against me. Yeah. And I think these people don't like me because, hey, man, you just crafted that all in your head. You know, well, what other, what else could it be then? Right. That's five years. They haven't even replied to my email every exactly. year. They don't- yeah. It leaves a dangerous space for you to fill in the narrative. And you can yeah. fill that narrative yeah. in with like childhood trauma issues you're still having in life. And so you concoct this story. But here's the thing I realized. Failures at every level of this business. Like it doesn't matter. I think. Brad Pitt is out there probably wanting to play Macbeth. And they're like, Brad, we love you, but I just, we just at the studio, we don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like doors don't just mm -hmm. automatically open for people. Like you have to just keep knocking and create your own doors. But I think once I accepted that, oh, okay, that's all part of this journey is failure and not getting in with data back and no one replying to your email. You just move on to the next thing. I heard Jim Gaffigan say that was probably one of his greatest skills was his ability to just move on from failure, to just literally go like, wow, that didn't work. He was shortlisted apparently to be on the office, like the American office. Oh, wow. And got real close and then didn't get it. And then watched the show blow up into a global phenomenon. And, you know, Ali, we know comedians who would have sat at that bar the rest of their lives and went, I was supposed to be on that show, man. That was my, that was my shot. You know, and now that didn't happen. And now it's. And then they gave it to Mindy Kaling. And that yeah, what she ever off. do with it. Right. And I mean, <laughs> it, you know, and they, they have a hard done by story the rest of their lives, as opposed to like, wow, that stings. Clearly, that I would have loved to have been part of that. But like, how can you dust yourself off and go on to the next thing and not be that guy at the end of the bar feeling sorry for themselves? So I think sure. that ability and in any line of work, to be fair, I mean, life mm -hmm. in general, but can you get over the, the heartache and just, okay, take some data from that and. Let's go forward. Easier said than done when you've just had your green crushed. But I think it's a necessary skill, especially in this business. I was just watching Napoleon Dynamite with the kids the other day for the whatever 10th time. And Napoleon has like this older cousin who's always with his football. And he's like, <laughs> if coach had just put me in the big game that day. And all I think of immediately is like, that's half the comedians I know yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> what I try to say to comedians is like, I'm not trying to be dismissive of the pain of not getting the festival or that role or not being included in that tour or that club, not replying to your emails. Like I get all that. Like that's, but what I'm saying is that is part of this job. Like that is, yeah. it's not about talent as much as it is like how many kicks to the guts can you take and go, Whoo, that, that doesn't feel good. Okay. Here we go. And just, you move your feet to the next thing. Cause sitting around talking about what could have been, I mean, nobody, They'll give you 24 hours, 48 hours. And it's like, you still pitching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask about, you know, 2017 was a real interesting time. I mean, you know, I've, I've been studying comedy over the last couple of years since 2020 so that I can sort of teach about it. You know, I teach a class at, at Queens and stand-up comedy, and I've been going kind of deep into the literature about 
what's accurately or not accurately, but it's called like the Donald Trump effect, Mm -hmm. where the division that, in my opinion, already existed in, in a huge way was just sort of, you know, really cemented and and highlighted. And it was, you know, you have people who more publicly make a business out of dividing people rather than uniting people. And I remember Asif and I have talked about this on a previous episode. There was an article in the, in, I think it was the New York times or the New Yorker, but somebody was talking to two showrunners from like John Oliver's show. And I think Sam B and the reporter was like, is there any type of comedy that doesn't work? anymore and they both said yes sarcasm doesn't work anymore Mm. because you can't be kind of writing that line saying one thing but meaning another because people are like whoa 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 we need to know what you really mean because that's sarcasm now we're not sure are you on their side and it's so us versus them has that been a factor at 22 has that factored into the writing or the sketches do you need to be mindful of that yeah, it's interesting because we the heat we take all the time is like, oh, you know, it's CBC, it's liberal, liberal leftist, government comedians, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But we're like, yeah, but if Trudeau messes up this week, he gets it too, right? Like no one gets off scot-free, but they tend to skip over that and just go, oh, you gave it to the conservative guy again or the NDP thing. Let me see what you want to see. Yeah. yeah. So you realize like, I don't know, man, I really believe in the Bill Burr adage too of like, you always know what your intent is when you put a sketch out there or you put a piece of comedy out in the world. But then people cut it with their own politics, their own religion, their own childhood experience. We know what we were going for. But then when you start reading the comments, they go, I see what you do. You're pro. It's like that wasn't the thing at all. That wasn't the message at all. But that's what you took out of it. So you cannot control that. Like you would go, you wouldn't make anything at all. If you were so mm-hmm. concerned with holding the rope that tight to make sure everyone understands, because it's impossible to do. And so I think now we just try to make sure the message is clear, the joke is clear, we understand what we're going for, but we cannot control how people are going to process that or what filter that goes through to go into their head. Because we've done stuff, we did stuff where like Trudeau is the joke, right? Like he's done something, it's a socks, he said something stupid, whatever it is. And someone would write, Interesting that you did this after the election. It's like, ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> like you, you think we held off? Like we're like, okay, what's the elect? We can't write anything because, like, but do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no winning. Yeah, that shows you the what do you want to call it? The blinders that some people have on, and they, or what do you want to call it? The uh, the lens. Yeah, that shows you people's lens, and you're not really. It's not going to be easy to change that. So uh, as you say, you just, you know what you wanted to do. You let people say what they're going to say because you can't control it. And that's why I still think the goal is always like, just be as funny as you can. Because like, we can't control that other narrative anyway. So let's just make sure this stuff is as funny as we can. And even then people will go, oh, it's not funny or we didn't like it or bad taste or whatever. But we're already moved on to the next week. That's the thing about our show Mm -hmm. is like, Stuff is produced in such speed. By the time you're debating your friend and yelling on the internet about it, we've already moved on to like another week of sketches. Like we don't have time to live in that. Whether you loved it or didn't like it, it's irrelevant. We've already moved on to the next thing. And so that was the best advice Mark gave to me. Mark Critch, my friend, castmate, my first season, he goes, dude, good week, bad week, put it behind you. We go again. Like there's no, it's like an athlete, right? You won last night. No one cares. We have another game tonight. Like, it's just, you just keep going because, and I told our new cast, Abba and Stacy as well, I said, when they joined the show, like, just be very careful about what you read online in the comment section, because 
you know, you know what your intention was. You might be really proud of the work we did on something. And then invariably there's people going, this is great. This is great. Defund the CBC. This is like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So just trying to stay focused and stay in the pocket is important just for your own mental health, you know? Totally, man. And has that increased over time? I'm just wondering because journalism, you know, is under attack in autocratic countries as well as democracies where we live. And you guys are like the next stage of that, right? Which is the mock journalism, the satirical, but yet talking about current events. So have you noticed an increase over time? It seems like there is, yeah. like there'd be more people attacking and and, and and that's why you have to give that advice? Mm -hmm. Or do you think it's always been there? And I think now there's just a form for it. It's just so easy to do. There's no repercussions. You can say the nastiest stuff you want to say. and. It's like you just sit behind, you know, your hot dog 48 and you say whatever it is you want to say. It's like, <laughs> that's what we've become, right? So, like, I don't know how you, I don't know if I'd say there's an increase in it, but it's definitely out there. But I'll give you this example. Like, I did a show once at a theater and we sold out the first show pretty quickly. So, I added a second show at the, in this town. And I said, I'm going to give half the proceeds to a, a charity that I chose, you know, I think it was SPCA, I think. And I'm going to give half the proceeds from the show to the SBCA. So we put this up on social media and most people are like, that's awesome. And then one guy's like, that's the wrong charity. You shouldn't be donating to those guys. It's like, I don't have to donate any of it. Like I just do this because <laughs> I wanted to feel good and do yeah. something good for the community that's supporting me. And it was like, that wasn't good enough for this person. So again, it's like, you can't worry about it. Like I think you wouldn't yeah. create anything again, if you were so worried about everyone else's opinion. I do think, you harden over time. Like I think I'm, I'm a lot tougher now with that stuff than I would have been when I first started. It would have been, everything would have hit me to the core, and you know, like I got hate mail when I was on Canada Reads, dude. Like I got, I got people going like, your argument about that book that was unclear. And it was just like, what are my books here, people? I, yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I didn't attack. What are you talking about? Like so, you realize there's a whole world out there, and everyone's watching it with their filter and their own issues and trauma and beliefs and religion and everything. This is how food has helped me, dude. Years ago, before I was ever on TV, this always stuck with me. Like, I used to watch a lot of food videos. That's what YouTube primarily was for me, just watching people on YouTube. And I had a channel, Bland is Boring. I was trying to see, like, what do people do well? What do we... Anyway, there's like this, like, kebab and some like tomato chutney recipe, you know, kebab with a, and it was like, this is a great recipe. This is a great recipe. And the third comment, you Pakistanis stole all your recipes from India anyway. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what hope does a guy with an opinion on stage have when kebabs and chutney can't even get a pass? You know, and it was an early lesson and I've always been able to think back to it and be like, there will always be that person. Sometimes it comes third comment. Sometimes it comes your best hope. 17th comment, maybe, yeah. you know what I mean? Like 16 positive comments. Come on. That's a lot. That's, yeah. that's you, But that's when you cut your losses, right? Like I go, if I go, if I read five or six good comments, I go, I'm out. I don't I'm need, I know sure. bad things happen. If I go upstairs to check the attic, I know there's a killer up there. It's the same yeah. kind of thing. Like I check the first five bedrooms. Oh, they're all clear. What about the attic? No, the attic can oh, stay there. I'm going to go back. Leave now. the home. Leave the house. But I'll tell you something really cool. Like we, I kind of forget about because of COVID and the distancing and all the stuff that we had to maintain when we're producing the show. We used to do, after our live tapings on Monday, 
audience members could line up and get a photo with the cast behind the, the desk, you know, the iconic desk and go, oh, like, you know, it was cool. And so we hear their stories, you know, like, hey, we flew down from Ottawa or we're from Windsor or we're from Michigan and we, we watched the show there, whatever. So it was really cool to hear people's stories, you know, but then over the last two years, you don't get that contact anymore. We stopped doing mm-hmm. that because of COVID. But I was in the airport in Halifax and I was waiting for my luggage for 45 minutes. It's another story. And this woman <laughs> comes up and she's just like, hey, you're Trent from 22 Minutes. I was like, yeah. She goes, I just want to say like, thank you so much for what you provided over the last two years, the show, because it's been a really dark time and we look forward to watching the show every Tuesday and it just gives us a little bit of levity. And she was really genuine what she said. And I go, oh man, I forgot about like real people and real life interaction mm-hmm. and someone being actually grateful and moved by like something you're putting out in the world because you just, as I said, you just move on to the next week and we put it out and we go again and you're in this bubble, but to have real human beings say, we, we appreciate what you're doing. I'm like, Oh, it was almost like winning the lottery. I go, I forgot about that. I forgot about real human beings being impacted by in a good way about what you're doing, you know, because COVID just made it so hard to have that connection anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a pretty cool moment, you know? It's very nice. It was weird that, you know, you told me that story. It was weird that after she said that, you were like, all right, beat it. Yeah. Nobody talks to me. I go, airport. enough. I my bags are here. A weird reaction. My bags are here. Are you going to carry my bags? <laughs> no, then scram. And, I just, and I'll be honest with you. I stole someone else's bags. I just wasn't waiting any longer. You know, I said, uh, I'll take the two pink suitcases. I got to catch a cab. And so I uh, I blew out of there. But it was it was a cool moment. But I go, yeah, for all the internet trolling, there's an actual human being who's like, hey, I'm going to come up and say that I really appreciate your work and what mm-hmm. you're doing. And everyone on the show is like, oh, wow, thank you. You could get trolled for like another week now living off that energy of something positive. Oh, what's right? the troll to admiration ratio? What is it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't have the numbers. 30 trolls to one uh, legit comment. It's- I do. I want to ask this one question, Asif, just before, because I know we actually have like five minutes left with you, Trent. So we both have a couple of questions, but I wanted to ask this about, because Asif and I were saying that we, one of the greatest things about 22 is it highlights something fantastic about Canada, which is our access, specifically your access and therefore our access to politicians, right? I've seen Mm -hmm. the premiers from all across Canada. I've seen the prime ministers from Jean Chrétien onwards, all they're there. Even the ones that people think are a little stuffy, they're there. Then, you know, and, and, and Mark has given them the gears a little bit or making fun of them. They're all there. And it's one of the most incredible things about this country. And we see that through the lens of 22. Have you seen that go down where people are like, I don't want to risk being made fun of. I'm not, you know, I, you know, and again, I'm, this is sort of the, through the Trump lens, he stopped attending the white house correspondence yeah. dinners and all that. Do you, yeah. do you see something like that? Or do you guys still yeah, have, I think there's some political figures out there who see it as, Oh, you're going to mock me. And, and I don't want to look bad on camera. And you guys are coming with an agenda. And it's funny to me. Cause I always think like, I think it helps you. I think if you can show a human side, I would far rather someone in, you know, December doing a segment with us where we, the the butt of the joke and they give us the gears too. And it goes back and forth rather than you rolling up your sleeves and holding a baby come election time. Look at how human I am. And you're Mm -hmm. playing the piano. Hey, I'm also a human. You had years to be human, (laughs) to just show that side of you and be vulnerable and you were like, oh, I don't want to put myself out there. And I get it. That's their choice. Totally fine. But to me, 
people would see you as like, oh, wow, that guy is actually a side of the side of him or he's got mm-hmm. a sense of humor or she can take a joke or whatever. I think it helps you. It might even get you more votes down the road. Who knows? Well, I'll tell you something about that unique access that we have and about Canada as a country. I was doing a segment once in my first year or two. Trudeau was in Halifax having a town hall at a local high school. And so they sent me out to cover it and I'm out in the lineup and I'm, you know, talking to people and most of them, there are Trudeau supporters and they're, you know, got signs made and they're really excited. Other people were like, yeah, no, I got serious questions for this guy. I want to know what he's going to do about the economy mm-hmm. and about the military. And they were really there to ask serious stuff. And then I asked one guy, I go, Hey, what brings you here? And I think the guy was from Egypt and he said exactly what you said, Ali. He said, I can't believe you guys get to do this in this country that your leader just comes to a local school and just feels questions from anyone. Like, it's not like, well, we've handpicked people who are Trudeau lovers. It was people too throwing stones in there too, going like, hey, I got another problem with you. You know what I mean? And it it was that moment too of like, you're right. They don't do this in every country to just say, we're going to open it up. If you love them or hate them, either way, get in line, come on in. And I, it was really a cool moment for me. I go, yeah, this is a pretty cool country. And not only that, that. the local satirical crew has shown up to just, "Ah, okay, what can we make fun (laughs) of? Let us in too, you know, like, so. Let me in after the Egyptian immigrant. I got questions for you too. (laughs) The Egyptian guy's like, I once said hi to Husni Mubarak. They shot me. Look, here's my scar. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have that anymore. So I, I do have those moments where you go, yeah, this is a pretty cool it's a pretty cool vehicle we're in, you know, to travel through this crazy life that we're allowed to do all these things and openly, you know, satirize all these figures, you know, so it's it's a pretty mm-hmm. great thing. Not to be taken for granted. No, for sure. And I think it's, it's a uniquely Canadian show. And when you think about it, it's 30 years, yeah. right? 30 years of this hour is 22 minutes. And it's uniquely Canadian because of that, because of the kind of approachability of our leaders and the humor. Humor has always been a part of Canadian culture. I don't know. It's been nice kind of going when Ali and I were preparing for this episode and interviewing you, just kind of going back with 22 minutes and thinking about it. And it is really a cultural kind of landmark. And I'm not surprised that, that woman came up to you, I guess, you know, looking for her bags in the airport. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it really affects people, the show. So what are we looking forward to for the 30th season? I mean, Pierre probably ever is, is that's going to be some good material right there. Yeah. I think there's going to be some trips down memory lane, you know, this year too right i mean like 30 years of sketches and segments and rants and i think there's going to be a little bit of that too this year to kind of make it and maybe a, a couple special episodes with regards to all that stuff as well so we're we're excited man like it's to be on tv for 30 years i mean i don't there's not many programs in any genre that have had that history and that legacy you know so to be to be on the show is one thing, but to be on that show and you're in this 30th season, it's absolutely surreal, you know? So also to, to get back to your Canadian thing, we have those discussions, right? Where that was a problem Ali was referring to the whole Trump thing. American news was just so dominant and Trump and Trump. And so it was so easy to start veering down south of the border and like, you know, you're, all your commenting is on American news. And so we'd always- Plus and, Mark Critch has a solid gold impersonation so in amazing. his pocket. Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, you have that ace all the time, but we'd always try and course correct and go, okay, yeah, that's great. We can touch on that. There's all right to do some segments, but hey, what's going on in Canada? What's going on in Canada? Mm-hmm. What are people talking about? And whether that's 
slice of life stuff that, you know, what we call like, you know, what goes on in people's everyday life with cell phones and dating and all those things, but also the bigger political issues that people are concerned about too. So there's always that kind of recorrection, you know, of like, okay, let's get back up to our homeland here and make sure we're commenting and, and being in tune with what's going on in our backyards. But there's a conscious effort to do that. And that's what makes it Canadian. And so to watch Americans comment on our show, they're like, this is, this is crazy that you guys, the leader just showed, showed up and then Mm-hmm. He pretended to punch him in the face. What I don't how did how did, <laughs> how did he not get a bullet? I don't. I'm, it's, yeah. it's great. Even the the Canadian like the security service must be like, no wait. So we're seriously letting this happen? Those those guys must be like this goes against everything I learned here. Yeah, and the show too. Like the show in general. Like I do realize I'm living a dream, right? Like we're doing the stoner sketch. You know, the first time we shot the stoner sketch in the car with the smoke, and we're swimming yeah, on yeah. playing whatever. You know, I stand there filling this car with like, you know, dry ice machine, you know, and the this hey, keep the windows up so we keep the smoke in. I can't even see Susan. She's like right here. I can't even see her, like next to me. So much smoke. So we shoot a bunch of takes and it's, you know, we're like, oh yeah, I think there's something here. And Mark is playing the police officer, so he's using a real police car. And then you realize we're stopping traffic in a whole neighborhood so we can do this thing. And there's a police officer. A real police officer directing traffic, just looking at us, just laughing like, <laughs> like, it's just like, what what are we doing? This is it. And then we just get into a van with our goofy wigs and blow off to the next sketch. It's like, yeah. this is real life. Like, this is, like, yeah, well, yeah. see you guys later. Can't wait to see how it turns out. All right. I'm going to get back in my real police car and be a real police officer. So it's, it's amazing. You know, yeah. Canada, what a country. What a country. That's a great note to end it on. I mean, I think that's what this show, you know, this this episode was really about, you know, highlighting one of the great things about Canada, and it is really this show. Trent McClellan, you also have this fantastic podcast, The Generators, as we mentioned off the top. People can find that wherever yep. fine podcasts are sold. Correct. Podcasts don't cost money. Um, yeah, cost, but they, people who listen would know that. Would know that. And September 13th, what's the date? When do we, when does the 30th? Yeah, September 13th is the premiere episode of season 30. And yeah, I'm in Calgary now and I'll fly out to Halifax in a couple of weeks. So we'll get going, cracking on that and see everybody again. And how was your summer? Uh, you had a good summer? <laughs> Did you? No. <laughs> Me too. So there'll be a lot of that. And then we get into the silly wigs. <laughs> That's great. Well, you got the small talk out of the way here. So when people start just yes. small talking, you'd be like, sorry, I did that already. In August. We gave you some practice. Well, I'm thinking about getting cards done up with just all the standard answers to the questions are already there. I just hand a card, like just, just keep walking. Cottage for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't sunburn. It's just the, the, the classic. I did question. take trips. They're all listed here in section five, all the trips I took. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for giving us your time today and taking us down this 22 road and, and the Trent McClellan road, which maybe a lot of people wouldn't know about. So you know how it is. People go, oh, you're a stand up. And you're like, yeah, I actually did that for 20 years. Yeah, that's the <laughs> I reason I have this job, right? <laughs> you meet a lot of people. So I think it'd be, I think this would be great for people to also, along with the generators and 22, I think you would be remiss not to explore Trent's stand-up. It is always terrific, and it's always great to work with you and even chat with you on a podcast, but it's so nice to see you, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, and great to meet you as well. It was an awesome time. You guys were hilarious, and the podcast is going to be a huge hit if it's not already, and continued success, and enjoy the rest of this summer. Thanks so much, Trent. All right, guys, take care.
So everyone, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Trent McClellan, co-host of This Hour Has 22 Minutes. I don't know. I thought it was a great conversation, Ali. What about you? It surprises me in no way about what a great conversation that was. He's very thoughtful, very positive, got a plethora of stories and experiences that he loves to share, gifted storyteller. You know, there was no way that that could go wrong. Please write into us. Tell us what you think about this chat today and about 22 minutes. We've enjoyed hearing your comments about that. Keep them coming. And yeah, check out Trent, check out his comedy and let us know what you think about that. Unless you didn't like it, then you can just let Trent know directly. I don't want to field any negativity about my friend. Maybe you should field it and then don't tell him about it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. That's right. That's the way to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and remember, reach out to us, drvcomedian, gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. Ali, you got your book coming up. We got that coming up September 27th. You got lots yep. of other miscellaneous. Just for laughs, Toronto, ha 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 dot com. Should be funny. You can go to the website, yes. And then IG, if you live in Ontario and you're an IG wealth management customer, I'm going on an IG tour of about, I don't know, I think 14 different oh. cities. So it's only for the people who use IG wealth management. It's like a special invite. That's right. If you used prudential investment services <laughs> suck it no i don't i just made that so it's for vips only you know what? my mother actually was an ig customer and she would get this this card in the mail we'd like to send you to something as a gift as a thanks for being an ig customer and but she would always click off the ballet she didn't want to see no stinking comedy show oh i was gonna say what would have happened yeah. if she got your <laughs> your name on it she said, what Oh my no, God. she she was never going to be. Uh, that was never going to be. She would have switched to investment firms after that. Totally, I think there's like some like the, there was like activities, then there was comedy, then there was ballet, opera. So she would click off the ballet, and she would get tickets to the ballet every year because of IG. So anyway, now it feels like I'm promoting IG, which you know, I don't know. If you lose money, don't come back to me. I don't know. I don't know nothing. I don't well, know. Well, they're nothing. paying you. I'm assuming so, but they should be paying for the promotion on our podcast. Okay, Investors Group? Yes, IG, please. But remember, Investors Group and everybody else, that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay. So it's time. What the? So it's time. What the? So it. <laughs> Leaving that all in. <laughs> Trent thinks it's his podcast. You want me to start well? Oh, welcome to the show, guys. So great to have wait, you both. Wait, 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 I've got a doctor and a comedian on the show today. Dude, he just takes it and uploads it to the generators before we can upload it to ours. Sorry, guys. Got there first. <laughs> Be you to it, buddy. Be you to it. Stop copying my content. Yeah, man. Get your own, get your own guest. Get your own guest. <laughs>